Hello, friends. My name is Joe Irwin Bettner, and this is the Eyes in Oklahoma podcast. Greatly appreciate all of you for making us a part of your day. And on today's episode, we are joined by the GOAT of College Football Preview Magazine's Phil Steele. Great catching up with Phil, going over the 2022 OU Sooners, what a guy like Dylan Gabriel can do in Jeff Levy's offense, expectations for Brent Venables, what the biggest games on Oklahoma's schedule are. Just a really, really good conversation, and sincerely appreciate Phil for being so generous with his time. I hope you guys enjoy that conversation. But before we get into that, I have a few things I'd like to go over, and we'll start with this. I am very happy to announce that Eyes on Oklahoma is partnering with Home Field Apparel, which is launching its long-awaited Oklahoma collection this Saturday at 11 a.m. Central. If you're not familiar with Home Field, they are a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis, and they make the most incredibly comfortable shirts. I'm wearing one right now as I speak with you all. All of these shirts, crewnecks, hoodies feature vintage designs that are officially licensed, and that's a very key point. This is not no bootleg stuff. This is the real deal, y'all. They go through the archives. They look at the history of the school that they're launching. They look for those unique logos and mascots. They bring them to life in the most thoughtful designs, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this Oklahoma collection. I got sent over one of their shirts that they're dropping, which they've already teased a little bit on social media, but it's their top dog shirt. Just a really cool, iconic look that brings you back to the Billy Ball days. They also have a really cool selection of football shirts that give off big Bud Wilkinson era vibes. Really awesome collection. I think you guys are going to really dig it. It is a part of season four of Big New Saturday, where Homefield drops a new school collection every week for 14 weeks straight. This is OU's week, and y'all are want to get your hands on these shirts printed on high-quality garments with extreme comfort in mind. If you are interested, we do have a promo code. New customers can get 15% off their first purchase from Homefield with code Eyes on Oklahoma at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. We'll have all the links and that code in the description. Once again, that promo code is Eisen Oklahoma, all one word. We appreciate you home field apparel and cannot wait for that collection to drop for the rest of you guys to see. All right, let's get into some football, y'all. All Big 12 awards were announced this week. They also released the preseason media poll, which, oh boy, some thoughts. A lot of thoughts. Oklahoma checking in at number two in the Big 12 preseason football poll for the first time since 2015. I believe it's only the second time since 2010 that they are not the favorite entering the year. Baylor, 17 first place votes, takes the number one spot. Oklahoma checked in with 12. Right behind them is Oklahoma State, who garnered nine first place votes. Number four, Texas, five, Kansas State. Iowa State came in at number six, TCU at number seven, West Virginia at number eight, Texas Tech at number nine, and of course, Kansas at number 10. A lot of thoughts to go over, and I'll start with this. I don't think it's necessarily a crazy thing that voters are putting stock in the defending Big 12 champion Baylor Bears. I do think that there is some question mark around Blake Shapin and what he can do. I have no doubt that Dave Aranda and what he has built at Baylor can be sustainable and maybe some reloading years here and there, but how Baylor is constructing their program right now is got to be very scary if you are a future Big 12 member. They are doing really, really good things. But I will say this, I think that there is still some things to uh, be said about the veterans that Baylor lost, how good they will look in this year, and I'm just not quite sure if they will make all, make it all the way to Arlington even. I put out my ballot that I gave, and not that it's really anything matter. None of this stuff matters. I probably should have prefaced with that. None of this stuff matters, but it's just fun to talk about. And 
it's really just a chance for me to say that I don't think that Baylor will get back to the Big 12 title game. I think they'll be one of the best teams in the Big 12. I am a little bit higher on Kansas State than a lot of people. I currently have Oklahoma uh, number one on my ballot, number two, Kansas State. And I think that will be the Big 12 championship game. That's what I'm projecting it to be. I just think that Kansas State has a lot of talent. And I think this is going to be a fun season of the Big 12 for the reason that no one can really seem to agree on who the top two teams in the league will be. I mean, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, all with nine or more first place votes. Texas also received first place votes, two of them. Iowa State, oddly, got a first place vote. Don't know who put that in, but I would imagine I can guess what region they're from. Regardless, Preseason poll does not matter much. I'm not really all that shocked at the bottom half of it because I really feel like you could shuffle them in any order. Iowa State, TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas, that group. I just, you know, whatever happens there happens there. I think they got the top half correct with Baylor, OU, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State. Once again, none of this really all matters, but I do think that it is an interesting kind of case study in how people perceive the league heading into the season because I think that Baylor, OU, Oklahoma State, and maybe Texas because they always seem to be in the conversation, I think those will be top 25 teams to start the year when the Associated Press releases its preseason top 25 once again. None of this really matters, but I just think it's interesting to see where everyone is at. The more I guess the more interesting part of it is the all Big 12 uh, preseason awards, which once again, it's kind of weird that we do this, but it is just a part of the fabric of the college football offseason. And who am I to say no to free content? And the Big 12 announcing its preseason media football team, which came out to be Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, and then an offense and a defense. No second team, no third team, no honorable mention, nothing like that. But Offensive Player of the Year preseason, Bijan Robinson of Texas, Defensive Player of the Year, Felix Anaduke Azuma from Kansas State, and the Newcomer of the Year, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. Don't have really any gripes with any three of these. I think that Dylan Gabriel is going to be the leader for that award until it is taken from him by somebody else. This offense is just going to be way too friendly for him to not put up big numbers and for him to not be considered for those types of awards. A little shocking to see that Dylan Gabriel did not get the All Big 12 quarterback nod. That went to Spencer Sanders. I'm going to reserve all of my Spencer Sanders slander for later in the season. For right now, uh, to uh, touch back on the offensive and defensive preseason players of the year, Bijan Robinson, no qualms with it. I would have went Deuce Vaughn. I think that Deuce Vaughn is overall just the most impactful, probably one of the most important guys to his team. I think if you took Bijan Robinson off of Texas, they're still probably an 8-9 win team at best. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. I have no clue. I just think this is the year that nationally Deuce Vaughn becomes a really big thing. And he has a teammate on the opposite side of the ball, Felix Eduduke Azuma, who is one of the best uh, defensive ends, just going to be one of the best players, not only in the Big 12, but one of the best in the country. I actually voted for Colin Oliver of Oklahoma State because... Once again, I, I really do think that Oklahoma State, I think I mentioned this on the, po- uh, on the pod before, but Oklahoma State getting Derek Mason, a defensive coordinator, replacing Jim Knowles, uh, the fact that they're not trying to go too far away from what they've done in the past, and 
they lose quite a bit from that defense. Malcolm Rodriguez, you lose a guy like that, it's going to be tough to replace. But Oklahoma State still has some really, really good talent on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Colin Oliver being one of them. Also, Jason Taylor uh, was a all-Big 12 uh, defensive back. So some good stuff from Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, on the other hand, no offensive selections, and the only All-Big 12 selection that they received was punter Michael Turk, which really can't argue with that whatsoever, but a little surprising not to see an Anton Harrison, and I don't think that necessarily maybe should be all that surprising. I think that he kind of fell by the wayside a little bit last year, didn't quite take, maybe, not. okay, let me rephrase that, and I'm not going to take that out. Did not fall by the wayside, just didn't really improve his stock didn't really take that next big step and I do wonder with a new strength and conditioning staff just a whole new regime over at Oklahoma I wonder if Anton Harrison his motivations his his development if they pick up and if they do I think that Oklahoma is going to have a really fun offensive line in 2022 just with they've got some bodies to replace, but I think that they can still be a really, really good unit. Bill Biedenboe, I still think, deserves the benefit of the doubt with that. Did want to mention just a little bit on the All-Big 12 defensive front. Obviously, no Oklahoma guys. Not super surprising when you lose the likes of a Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas, Perry and Winfrey, guys of of that nature. I do think this is, once again, it's, it's hard doing the All-Big 12 preseason team because you're either just kind of going off of what we already know or you're projecting a little bit. I try my best to project to what I think it's going to be at the end of the year. And I had Danny Stutzman at linebacker and Key Lawrence at one of the defensive back spots. I think that those two guys, not necessarily, I'm, you know, I wouldn't put, you know, a, a, co- a high confidence next to this, but I think that the two of those guys have really big potential to have big breakout years. I think Danny Stutzman under Brent Venables is going to be a match made in heaven. And I think that Key Lawrence, if he doesn't have to bounce around from position to position and can really focus on one area of the field, that is a, that uh, Key Lawrence is a football player. When I say that, he is just a really, really good football player. They move him around he was still so effective obviously not so effective in some spots because he was being moved around so much but if they can find a home for him key lawrence is one of the best football players on this team and i would expect him to make another big step be one of the leaders in that secondary alongside woody washington i think it's going to be a a good year for that unit i think that they have some really really good pieces billy bowman's looking jacked i think that jerry schmidt has uh, obviously come in and has uh, gotten straight to work and has done a good job uh, from the early returns, I guess I should say, from some of the photo shoot stuff that OU has put out. Just some guys that look like they have put on some weight and uh, put on some muscle, some some good some good weight, I should, should add in there. But that is just kind of my impressions of the All-Big 12 team. Nothing too crazy. I mean, I have really just no big disagreements with it, but it is uh, something there and something to discuss. And if you all disagree, would love to know your thoughts uh, as we do keep the comments open on the Substack for the uh, for the podcast episodes themselves. You can go to the podcast page, click on the episode and comment and start the conversation there. And I uh, would love to talk with you guys more about this. All right, while we are on the topic of previewing the Big 12, Oklahoma, and what's to come in 2022, no better time to bring in 
Phil Steele. Hope you guys enjoy the conversation and make sure to stick around for the end. He has some important information on how to find the book if you're still trying to find it in stores, but you can also go to philsteele.com. Just get it online, get the digital version. That's what I did. You 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 pay for it and you can you know instantly download it, get the information right then and there, not have to go to a store. But anyway, here is that conversation with Phil Steele. Phil, how are you doing, sir? I am doing great today, Joe. How about yourself? Doing, doing real good. It's uh, it's conference preview season. It's fo- college football preview season, I should say. And no other magazine gets fans ready quite like yours does. And wanted to talk to you a little bit about Oklahoma today, as they are obviously a, a big team of interest this offseason and the team that we cover. Phil, you have them finishing first in the Big 12 again, despite everything that's happened this offseason, despite a lot of the roster turnover, new head coach, and want to start there. Why Oklahoma, number one in the Big 12 going into 2022? Uh, Actually, there's numerous reasons for it, uh, Joe. Uh, First of all, last year was an unusual year. Uh, Ohio State wasn't even in the Big Ten title game. Clemson wasn't in the ACC title game. Oklahoma wasn't even in the Big 12 title game. Well, why was that? When I talked to the head coaches, by the way, like this year, I talked to about 120 of the 130 head coaches. But last year, talking to the head coaches, going through the teams with them, almost every coach in the country said, Phil, this is the most experienced we've ever been. We were able to run three full teams during spring practice. We've never been able to do that before. They had 17, 18, 19 returning starters back. Well, who didn't? It was the teams that lost players to the draft, the big boys. And what happened was it leveled the playing field a little bit with all the other teams out there very experienced and the big boys being down experience-wise. We saw like those three big teams didn't even make conference title games. Well, this year it's back to normal. Take a look at Oklahoma, for example, or take a look at most of the other teams out there, Ohio State, Clemson. They are very experienced coming into the season, and all the other teams no longer have that sort of depth that they were given last year. So I think that's one advantage going in Oklahoma's favor. The second thing is the schedule. Uh, They bring in Oklahoma State and Baylor, the two teams they lost to. were both on the road. This time they get them both at home. I think that's a big plus. And then the third thing are some of the transfers that have been brought in. While there has been talent lost, I like the fact that Dylan Gabriel, the starting quarterback, is a guy that – uh, worked with Jeff Levy back in 2019 when he had his best season. Levy was the offense coordinator at UCF. In this offense, Dylan Gabriel did extremely well. Eric Bray's a guy who I think is going to really emerge at the running back position, as could Barnes and Sacha, a couple of BHT newcomers they have coming in. I like the replacements they have at wide receiver. In fact, the top two guys are the same two guys they had heading into 20. They just one of them missed the season. I think the offensive line will be stronger. And Brett Venables knows defense. I think he'll craft a good defense. So the talent's there, and definitely the schedule is there. I've got him favored in all 12 games this year. You mentioned getting the chance to connect with coaches, and I'm curious, when you do have a new head coach like a Brent Venables, how much, and I know your time is you know precious, it's limited when you're getting to talk with these guys, but do you ask around when you have a first-year head coach might not have a lot of knowledge about them, and obviously Brent's been around the game for a while, but do you ask around, do you hear things about the, the early impressions of what they think Brent Venables might be, and have you had a chance to connect with Brent Venables himself this offseason to kind of get a, a feel for what his program might look like? No, as you mentioned, uh, I, I usually, when I'm on with the coaches, sometimes the 
to last about an hour. We go over every player on the team. We go through strengths and weaknesses and how they feel about each position. Very limited time. So I generally don't get chances to ask uh, the coaches anything other than what their team is. So asking them about other coaches would be something that doesn't happen. Ironically, this year, uh, I had talked to Lincoln Riley each of the five years he had been there. I talked to Stoops the last couple of years he was there. I did not get to talk to Venables. We had a couple of times where we were trying to set something up. My time didn't match with his. His time didn't match with mine. So hopefully I'll get to talk to him next year, but didn't get to talk to him this season. Well, I think his reputation, it's one of those things that it's not quite like a, a Marcus Freeman where you don't have nearly as many years of, of you know tape on this guy. Not that you're probably pouring into Brent Venable's tape as you're going over Oklahoma, but you know you, he, he has a recognizable defense at Clemson and is one of the more high-profile coordinators. What did you make of Oklahoma and that hire, and does it feel like a long-term move that's going to kind of keep Oklahoma with that status quo of being one of the most, you know, one of the best teams in college football? Oh, yes, I, I like the hire, and I, I think it's a, a good hire for the situation. Uh, I've always been impressed with Brett Venables as a defensive coordinator, and I think he's going to bring that to the system. Uh, I like to hire Jeff Levy as the offensive coordinator to because uh, he's had some pretty explosive offenses. So overall, I do like the coaching staff, and I do think it's going to be a long-term thing. I think Brent Venables, having the history here that he did at Oklahoma, uh, did, wanted to come here. It's not like he's looking around for another job. And Oklahoma is one of the premier schools out there, as you know. So what coach wouldn't want to be here uh, long-term? So I, I think it's a good hire, and I do think that Venables will have success in his first year. Uh, in the short term, you mentioned a guy like Dylan Gabriel who – I think personally can bring some stability to the quarterback position as they kind of transition, you know, out of uh, the Lincoln Riley era and get into what Jeff Lebby's identity will be as a, as a recruiter, getting that position. And it's kind of already taking shape, but as far as Dylan Gabriel goes, he is your first team quarterback in the big 12. Just you, you, once again, you have, you have resources to look back on with him uh, playing at UCF and playing at a really high level. Uh, I, I'm curious, just, what separated him, if at all, uh, from from the rest of the Big Twelve competition? Was, was it a lot closer, maybe than uh, maybe I'm thinking? But I'm curious, just what separated him from other Big Twelve quarterbacks to get that first team nod? Yeah, I think when you when you look at Dylan Gabriel, like I said, uh, a lot of times when a quarterback is in a new offense, you wonder a little bit. Uh, but the fact that he knows this offense inside and out, 2019 uh, was a year where he threw for 3,600 yards uh, and had 29 touchdowns, just seven interceptions, playing in the same offense he did there with the probably better supporting talent than he had at UCF that year. I really like the offensive line. Uh, I rate the the Oklahoma offensive line number eight in the country, the receiving core number 24, and the running backs number 22. I guarantee you that UCF team did not have uh, the units rated that high. So uh, I think that's going to help them. Oklahoma's got that fast-paced offense, which they are going to run. They like to throw the football. They will throw the football here. Uh, you look at Spencer Sanders, who I have second team. Uh, Sanders, known for his running ability and not quite as adept a passer as Gabriel is. Same thing with JT Daniels. Here's a guy that hasn't even been in spring practice with the team, where I think that helps out Gabriel. So add it all up. Uh, I've got Gabriel, my number one, first team all-conference. Just going back to the the schedule, the the thing that 
you know, makes me wonder about Dylan Gabriel's how he's going to look in the big games. And Oklahoma obviously goes to Nebraska, get Texas and Dallas, Oklahoma State and Baylor, as you mentioned, both at home for OU. Is, is there a game that you look among those teams and not even thinking about matchups per se, but who is the biggest challenger for Oklahoma on that schedule? Well, you know, you look at Oklahoma's home record and you assume they're going to be able to win their home games. Uh, last five years, they've lost a grand total of two home games. Uh, so you have to look at the road games. And there are some tricky road games out there. Nebraska is a much better team than their final record last year. They had an amazing seven net close losses. Uh, I believe they outgained their opponents by something like 86 yards per game. Yet finished three and nine. That's going to be a tough test. And if you watched the Oklahoma-Nebraska game last year, you know that was not not an easy win for the Sooners. The, uh, the other games would be Texas. I do think Texas has the talent uh, this year to, to stand toe-to-toe with Oklahoma, as they have each of the last few years. In fact, last year, Texas was on the verge of blowing Oklahoma out early and then uh, ended up just uh, losing that thing late. Uh, and then the two other games that would concern me would be Iowa State on the road on a Thursday. And here's the thing with Iowa State. Iowa State under Matt Campbell has always been a great underdog. But last year, they came into the season preseason top 10, and they, they had trouble handling that. Well, this year, they're back into the under-the-radar mode. They're at home. And Iowa State usually gives Oklahoma a pretty good game as well. In fact, Oklahoma traveled to Iowa State two years ago and lost. So that's going to be a tough one. And then the West Virginia one intrigues me because, you know, it's a long trip across the country. Last year in the game uh, that uh, Oklahoma had against West Virginia. It was a tight one down to the wire, a narrow three-point win at home by a field goal. Now West Virginia has a quarterback that can throw the football on JT Daniels. So all four of those games concern me, but in all four of those games, I do rate Oklahoma the favorite. Well, a uh, good thing for Oklahoma. I was going to mention, I, I know that just there's such a quick moving thing with college football. The, the Iowa State game got moved to a Saturday, won't be on a Thursday night. And Thursday night names, I feel like, is a much different beast than Saturday names. But uh, thinking on that, just terms of going through like the magazine, just impressed with how much information, not only that you're able to get in here, but as quickly like Jordan Addison, for example, going to USC that, you know, that made it in the magazine. And just one of the questions I want to ask you phil was in this world of transfer portal where these kids have until may 1st to simply enter the portal and then make their decision after but how hard has the process of putting the magazine together been when you have so much turnover when you have so many players that it's hard to keep track of who's on what roster at this point but how much how much has that made it difficult for you and what you do putting out the preview magazine yeah, it has definitely made it more difficult. We used to go to the press in May, uh, towards the end of May, and now we've moved it to June 8th. And as you mentioned, the transfer portal, I love the fact the transfer portal actually closed on May 1st for players being able to leave. But that means they hadn't found a home yet. And, you know, there was numerous players that did find a home in the month of May. We were able to capture all that by coming out later than everyone else. So I think that's probably the biggest advantage. We've got up-to-date information in the magazine. We've got all the latest stuff, but the transfer portal has made it tough. And you go back to what you talked about, to your point, uh, Addison leaving Pitt. You know, I had Pitt up there as one of the the top the 10 receiving class or re- receivers uh, units on the, in the country this year. Losing Addison knocked them off the top 10. And then with USC, 
I already had him up there near the top 10, adding Addison, put him number one in my unit. So you do have to adjust the power ratings and adjust things like that, which makes it a little more difficult, especially in the stressful last month of the magazine. But uh, I think going to the press later and then moving the transfer portal to May 1st really helped us out a lot. Do you get to take, I know you've got a, a bunch of interviews lined up, uh, but it, do you get to take a little bit of a breath now that the, that the magazine's out and uh, available in stores and online as well? Huge breath. This is my fun time of year. You know, I work uh, during the football season. I work about 102 hours a week trying to keep track of all the games. You got 12 TVs in front of me. Nothing but nonstop deadline, deadline, deadline. And then once the Sunday after Thanksgiving hits, it's time to start next year's magazine. And we spend six and a half months putting this thing out. And once again, deadline, deadline, deadline. A lot of 80 hour work weeks in there, just trying to get the massive amount of information we put in the magazine. Once this thing is sent to the press. I'm kicking back, working 40, 50 hours a week. It's like not even working. I tell you what, Joe, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I get to spend more time with my daughter, go to Cedar Point and things like that. And, uh, yeah, so this is definitely my fun months. And talking football on the radio or on podcasts is uh, is pretty easy for me. So, yeah, these these are definitely my fun months until until the season starts. Oh, you make it look effortless, man. It's always a pleasure getting to catch up with you each and every year to talk about the upcoming season. And uh, it seems like good things might be ahead for Oklahoma, especially coming from you. You put out one of the most accurate magazines in the business. Uh, so appreciate your time as always, Phil. Well, thank you, Joe. And just to let your listeners know, uh, as far as the availability at the newsstands, Barnes & Noble, the first three weeks of July will be the only place to have it. I want you to save your gas money, but Barnes & Noble will have it starting on uh, July the 8th. And then all the other places will get it towards the end of July this year. We had to print the magazine in two runs because of a paper shortage. So the second run will be complete and will be at the, all the other places the end of July. So save your gas money, head to Barnes & Noble these first three weeks of July. Phil Steele, man of the people. Thank you so much, man. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, enjoy, enjoy these uh, next few weeks of relaxation. Hey, thank you, Joe. A lot of fun talking football with you today. Thanks for having me on. That was Phil Steele, everyone, and greatly appreciate him for coming on the program, as he pretty much does every year at this point. Always a good conversation. Really hope you guys enjoyed it. And that concludes today's episode of Eyes on Oklahoma. If you are not already subscribed, we are available on all major podcast platforms. And if you're using that Apple podcast app, it would mean the world to us. If you left us a five-star rating and review, it truly does help get the word out about the show. As always, appreciate you all for listening and make sure to go check out that home field collection, homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code eyes on Oklahoma. Get yourself 15% off your first purchase with home field apparel. Thank you guys for listening. My name is Joe Irwin Bettner. This has been eyes on Oklahoma and we will catch you next time.